This is the woman behind the business, featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Angel Livas. And this week on The Woman Behind the Business, The Art of Healing. You know me, I'm your host, Angel Livas, and today's guests have both dealt with some pretty traumatic experiences, but those encounters ultimately led them to their life's calling, or at least what their current purpose is. Jen Koken has spent over 20 years helping CEOs and entrepreneurs overcome their self-made limitations by working with them as a life coach. She has also spent six years as a stand-up comedian and therefore brings a sense of humor into all areas of her life, including how she coped with her mother's death, which she, inco- which she captured in her book, When I Die, Take My Panties, Turning Your Darkest Moments into Your Greatest Gifts. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I really want to talk about the title of your book, but I'm going to try to hold off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try to hold off as long as possible. But I am curious to know, what made you decide to become a life coach? Like, what goes in a person's mind when they say, I'm going to become a life coach? Hmm. So let me think. So I used to coach for a personal growth and development company mm-hmm. for about 20 years, well, about 18 years. Mm-hmm. And I did this weekend course that blew my mind. And when I was sitting there and saw how the person leading the course was interacting with people and saw the journey we came, the journey we went on to find our heart, to find ourselves, I thought to myself, this is what I've been waiting for. I had always imagined myself leading big groups of people in front of people. And so that began my journey to be a life coach. And then I've coached something like 10,000 people. And once you start making a difference with people and you see, because my my heart's work is making sure people are happy. I'm like a six-year-old. I just want people to be happy, right? 10,000 people? I added it up like two years ago. And with all the courses that I taught and the amount of work that I put in and the people I coach, yeah, something like 10,000 people. That's a lot of people. That's amazing. Yeah. So what were you doing prior to? you know, that moment where you sat in that seminar, what was your work before? Like? Well, my work was for 25 years working in politics. Oh, okay. Uh, working on grassroots campaigns, working to get people elected to office. I ran for office myself out in Colorado and I was always coaching people on the side. Mm-hmm. But then after my mom passed away and I wrote my book and it was um, published the day before I was laid off of my fourth job. Mm. And at the time, I was uh, lobbying municipalities to bring our company on to be the solar installer of record and was very successful and had built a department of 12. Mm -hmm. And when my boss told me my services were no no longer needed and the book came out, I honestly had a conversation with God. And it didn't take long where I thought, I know, I always say I'm hard-headed, I'm stubborn. Uh you got to hit me up the head with a two-by-four. Right. And people tell me don't say that because I want to land through my car window. So be careful (laughs) of what you (laughs) ask for. Exactly. Right. Right. And it just was really apparent to me there was a bigger mission. There was a bigger goal for me to be here. Now, when you realized that there was this bigger goal, this greater purpose, what was it, what did it take for you to make that first step? Well, it's interesting because when I when I decided about that bigger purpose, for me, the vision was educate women about ovarian cancer. I don't want any family or another woman to ever go through what my family went through. Mm-hmm. And that's what my book, That's I use my, my book as the platform for that. Mm-hmm. Well, this happened at the end of June and Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month was September. Mm-hmm. So it was hardcore, book, 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 get it out there, speak, 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 you know, public speaking, all that kind of stuff, radio, TV, where we met. Mm-hmm. And then after the fact, it was, okay, well, that is great that I want to do that, but that's my philanthropy. I don't do it for money. Mm-hmm. It, that's mm-hmm. my mission. That's my my homage to my mother's memory because I, I swore to her that we would do whatever we could. And I know of three women who were diagnosed early from hearing from me. Mm-hmm. And then it became, okay, well, what is the mission for you? And so it's been, um, it has been a journey. It mm-hmm. has been a probably almost two years because it was about two years ago in 2016 to 2018 mm-hmm. where I've really come to what my sweet spot is and who I love working with and I love working with women and I love making sure that people are listening to their soul because we all came here for a purpose mm-hmm. and if we're not fulfilling it that's usually the source of our unhappiness. So how do you guide women and and any of your clients to um, listening to their soul as you say? 
I have a, um, there's one of two ways, <clears throat> but mostly it's working with them to discover their self. Mm. And by self, I don't mean small s ego. I mean the bigger picture of who they are. And what I ask them to look at, I ask them this question, if you died tomorrow and you had five adjectives on your tombstone, what would they be? What would you want them to say? Would it be loving? Would it be uh, grandma? Mm-mm. Would it be caretaker? What would it be? And most people have done values work at some point in their lives, but what I'm really having them look at is, okay, let me look at what these values are for me, mm. and are they things I want more of in my life? Are they, what do I, what do I want to be known for? Mm-hmm. And how do I express that internally with my family and externally in my work? Mm-hmm. So that those values aren't just a piece of a work management program that you're doing. They truly are the core of who you truly, truly are when you're at your best. Now, I feel like a lot of women entrepreneurs are doing everything. They're managing all aspects of their business. And so one of the adjectives that one might say is, I work all this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I work. What? How can you work with the woman where that's not necessarily the adjective that describes her, but you're able to exhibit, you know, who you are through your work? It's a good question. The best way for me to describe it is to use myself as an example. Mm -hmm. So one of my values is intimacy, Mm -hmm. like connecting with people and putting aside all my judgments, my, my preconceived notions, even if I've known them for a stranger or longtime friend Mm -hmm. and every moment we're connected Mm -hmm. but that means you got to be connected to yourself and connected to those moments so i'm the same way i do everything myself i'm an entrepreneur as you know Mm -hmm. um i work all the time except there's times where i say okay body my body what do you need you need time to connect with you well what does that look like what do you want son you want to work out you want to sit quietly no i want to be down by the pool okay we're going to get on our bathing suit and for an hour go down by the pool and maybe hop in the water and swim around a little bit And then I'm rejuvenated and refreshed and can either choose to work or not. But I think it comes down to those moments of choice. Mm. If you're going to work, choose what you're doing. Be present in this moment. Powerful. Love it. Okay. So how do you know that it's time for you to hire a life coach? And I know that you don't look at yourself as just a life coach. So talk to me a little bit about the the three pumps pings of, you know, who you are and what you do as a life coach. So I say that I help people master the connection between mind, body, and spirit. Mind, removing the limitations of their mind, having the healthiest body and environment you're in as possible, which is where essential oils and natural supplements come in. Um, And spirit, meaning you connected to your divine purpose, your higher power, or however you would call it. Some people aren't connected to, they don't, they don't, not a believer, so we don't go there, but I talk about what you're here to do. How do you want to make a difference? How do you want to contribute to your community? Well, on this show, we believe, so you can talk about okay, that. Okay, good. Me too. <laughs> my point is, what's he put you here for and what you're doing about it? That's my point. <laughs> because, you know, it's funny, a lot of the women I work with are in that, like, I would say the youngest is like 35, but they're go-getters. They're people that have really produced a lot. But it's usually that 40, 45, 49 range. Why? Because that's the moment people are hitting their midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. It's not a midlife crisis. (laughs) (laughs) We got people waving at us like, me too. It's, It's what we call a midlife crisis. That is actually your soul going, yo, hey, what are you doing? You're not doing what you incarnated in this lifetime to do. You're not doing what God put you on this earth to do. You got to hop to and whatever you think you've been doing ain't it. So we got to get you to doing something else. Mm-hmm. So how do you know? You know. You mm-hmm. know, I was given a presentation in Colorado um, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And the women that, I, 18 women were like, I want to talk to you. Okay, well, the women that I've spoken to, what they said was it was perfect timing. It's what I call divine right timing. Mm-hmm. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. So you have to listen to your heart, but that means you got to slow down. And in this, on the East Coast, and especially in DC, <laughs> that's super hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about your humor. What um, humor? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you spent six years as a stand-up comedian. Yeah. What led you down that path? A bad tomato. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I had a bad bunch of romaine and went. Well, How did I get here? Um, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor. Okay. 
And my mom said something off the cuff to me, because when I was in high school, we, I was doing community theater all the time. And I said to my mom, Mommy, I want to I go to school for acting. She's like, oh, that's going to be hard. I have to have a second job, probably have to waitress, all these things. And I went, oh, I don't want to work that hard. Okay, that's <laughs> okay. Maybe I shouldn't. So what did I do? I went into politics instead, which is like theater. Right. And a lot of drama, you know, kind of the same thing. <laughs> right. And I, again, was in a course where I got reconnected to that love of not only performing, but making people laugh. Because mm-hmm. when people laugh, they're in a state of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And it's not about me being narcissistic and wanting to be in front of people, because my comedy is authentic storytelling about myself. Okay. Like dating, relationships. Give us one of your Oh, dating. my goodness gracious. Well, you know... I will say I'm going to be 54 in August, but I look quite young. And I get hit on a lot by younger guys, and especially, like, online. And these dudes send me half-naked pictures of themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes they're from the waist up, you know. And, you know, like, I'm, okay, honey. And I got really interested one time. Like, what? Why? Why? I'm, like, twice your age. Uh-huh. And this guy's like, well, you know, you older women know what they want. Okay, you're beautiful. Yeah. And then he goes... I've never, I've never met him. Uh-huh. He goes, I think your saggy baby belly is really sexy. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I go, you, you want to go home? <laughs> we get in a fight and I send you to your womb? You know what. Yeah. <laughs> so I made a, I made a rule because I like simple rules. Like thou shalt not kill is a simple rule. Uh-huh. That's a good rule. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife with the amount of building going on in D.C. You're bound to have like 100 neighbors. So that gets a little cross, catch 22, a little gray area. So I like simple rules. And my simple rule is simply like if I could have given birth to you, right. we're not going the other direction. So <laughs> that's that. <laughs> so, and there we go. There's your show. <laughs> Never thought we'd go there. <laughs> so with... All of these different experiences that you've gone through and, you know, to be able to incorporate humor into all aspects of your life. Yeah. Um, do you include it when you're doing your life coaching, like to help people relax? Because I know a lot of people are very skeptical of working with a coach of any um, yeah. level. Yeah. So what do you do to help people relax and, you know, be OK with saying, hey, it's. I'm just here to help you be your better self or your grander self. Or what do you say? Well, I always do a discovery call with people to see if we're compatible. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I tell people is we have to have fun mm-hmm. while we're while we're in this coaching relationship. Are you willing to have fun? Are you willing to look at? That's why my company is called Embrace the Ridiculousness of Life mm-hmm. because life's absurd. Look at the stuff that's happening at the border right now. I mean, that's just absurd what is going on in our country right now. And mm-hmm. if you can't laugh at that moment, like, okay, I just need to take a moment and realize how ridiculous this is, we've kind of lost ourselves. So I tell people, you have to have fun. And people have done testimonials for me saying they've never had so much fun coaching. A lot of it is just having people recognize, you know, when they're upset about something, the absurdity of how upset they are. Mm -hmm. I had a client, I have a client, wonderful guy, been coaching him two years. Um, He's finally lost 30 pounds on his way to losing 30 more. And he was complaining to me one day because he was like, you know, I just can't handle it anymore. And I have all this food in my refrigerator and I can't find anything and I can't move it around and whatever. I was like, all right, look, like people in Puerto Rico don't even have power yet. And you're complaining to me about food in your refrigerator. So where's the broccoli? And we just started having this conversation about where the broccoli lives and the kale and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And finally he lightened up and started laughing at himself. But sometimes, you know, I have to call people out on their own. BS, mm-hmm. because people don't necessarily hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. They really don't. You know, I have a client who she, as a kid, you know, dealt with some tough stuff. When you talk about trauma, where we started, you know, she had an alcoholic mom and a dad who abused her, and she's never thought of herself as strong. Mm-hmm. And I said, excuse me, the childhood that you had and that you are so gifted and loving and have a fiance and all those things. You think you're not strong, and it took her a moment, and she started laughing. She's like, "Well, I guess I am." Mm. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> you also mentioned that you are um, integrating oils into 
you know, I guess how you're working with people and the wellness side of things. Talk to me about the power of, you know, in oils. Yeah. So I do, I do energy work with people. I use intuition. I use energy movement techniques, especially if I'm coaching clients who have been through traumatic things because our cells have memory and they Mm -hmm. remember everything that's happened to us, whether we think mentally we're over it or not. And the oils will work on the physical level and they will work on the emotional level. Mm. So for example, I have two here that we're going to talk about real quick. One's called passion. And the purpose of passion is for you. And it's red. And it's red. And it goes right in your, do you know what a chakra is? Your heart chakra? Uh So it's like thousands of year old Indian, there's a whole- crystals or- No, they're actually energy centers. There's seven of them that line Mm. up and the main chakras, there's lots more. Uh, It's part of Indian culture for thousands and thousands of years. Mm -hmm. But this is a heart opening- um, oil, which for women is really important because two things, we tend to close our hearts quick and we tend to throw, close our throat chakra quickly. Mm-hmm. More women have um, TMJ, they have locked jaw, than men do mm-hmm. because we don't speak up. We're now doing that. Our society is now creating a fertile ground for us to be able to speak up. Mm-hmm. But if you just put a little drop, it's a little spicy, it's a little sweet, and inhale it, you're going to have a hole. We're, we're putting the oils in our hands and rubbing our hands together. And then... Want to hear? <laughs> and then cupping over our nose and mouth. And it just is a beautiful... Yeah, it smells spicy. Yeah, spicy. And that goes right over your heart chakra. And then this one called balance is grounding, which is more like your your roots. You're you know, grounding yourself if you're feeling flighty, if you're feeling like you just aren't balanced. And Okay, so how do you know that this stuff works? Well, there are scientific (laughs) studies, there are scientific data, and I also know how it works for me and how it works for my clients. Um, I actually have something called an Itovi scanner. So we as human beings are made up of electrical impulses, and so are all the oils. So it uses a technique, a scientific technique called Mm bioimpedance. So as you're holding the scanner, it will bump up against the electrons in your body, the energy in your body with the oils, and then any place your body is uh, saying like, no, 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 I don't want, I won't, I don't want that. That's what your body actually needs. Hmm. And I usually will get the scan, give it to my client, give them my oils and emotions book, and mm-hmm. they'll start reading and realize, like I had one client throw it across the room at me and go, this is too weird. It's too accurate. For example, grapefruit's the oil of honoring your body. Hmm. You know, cypress is the oil of motion and flow. It's a great oil for someone like me who's a perfectionist. So Which one is that? Cypress. I think I need some cypress. <laughs> <laughs> we all need some cypress sometimes. Now, at what point in your life did you realize that you wanted to be your own boss? I think I've always been in, like, my personality is entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I engaged in this question probably around 1999. Mm-hmm. Someone said to me, Quit thinking about what you want to do and ask yourself, who do you want to be? Hmm. And I went, huh? She's like, now look, Jen, she knew me really well. She goes, you could never be a librarian. You're not a quiet person. <laughs> right, like, right. 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 So one of the things I recognized about myself is I love being someone who works on a team mm-hmm. and being someone who can take someone's vision, my, myself or someone else's, and bring it into fruition. Mm. I am at my happiest where someone says, you know what? Here's a watch and a bracelet, and a bottle of oil, and a teacup. And I need you to produce this result in the next three months. And I'm, I don't know how to do it, and you've got to figure out how to do it. And I go, yay. And so what I've seen throughout my career is that I will start things, build it up to where it needs to go, hire someone else to run it, and move on to the next thing. Hmm. So it's just very apparent to me. I love being entrepreneurial, except coaching has always been a consistent. It's the only place I've been consistent in my life. So and what does coaching do for you? When I'm a witness to someone else truly getting who they are in their heart, for me, that is God working through me. That's what I'm on this planet to do. Now, what if someone comes to you um, willingly? Have you ever told somebody, like, well, you're already doing everything, you know, right? You know, is there ever a time where it's just like, well, what do you need me for? Yeah. Um, I, well, first of all, I don't coach people in relationships. I've been divorced for 10 years, mm-hmm. and I just recently chose to like, okay, I'm going to be in a relationship again. I have someone else I send them to, mm-hmm. right? I don't, I'm not a career coach for people. I send people to that. 
But I have had people call me and say, I want to work with you. And I get in with them to figure out what is it they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And I will say to them, I'm not the right coach for you. Actually, I had a conversation like that just a couple of weeks ago where this woman wants to start her own life coaching business. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't coach people in that. And you seem to me to be somebody who's super grounded, know exactly what you want. It's simply getting the tools. Mm-hmm. And here's this guy I know, it. and doing it. Here's this guy I know that has a course. You should do that course. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Oh, thank you," because other people will just take clients to take clients, and right. I won't do it. Right? Because you know, if you're not doing your what you're here to do, if you're not doing your life's work, you're not fulfilled. And I'm fulfilled when I'm when I see other people being, when I see other people getting who they are, mm-hmm. like getting their their divinity, their uniqueness. Mm-hmm. It just makes me super happy because when we're grounded in who we are, we can do anything. This has been great. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Jen. Um, Up next, we are going to get techy during our tech break. And then we'll introduce you to Betty Murray, the woman behind Genuine Sisters Supporting Sisters. Stay with us. So now it's time to get techy with this week's Tech Talk. In studio with me, I have Ms. Jalisa Johnson, who's the president of Secure Tech 360. And today, drumroll please, Jalisa, what are we talking about? We are talking about Pinterest. Pinterest for business? Pinterest for business. Don't sleep on that app. Oh. That is a great collaboration tool. And as I am gravitating to new businesses, I am working with a lot of consultants with a lot of great ideas and sharing their boards is a great way to collaborate. Now, what information do you typically find on Pinterest? You will be very surprised that the latest tech gadgets are on Pinterest. Reviews, how they use them. Um, It's also a great place for um, entrepreneurs who who are involved in makeup, styling, um, design, and you have a collaboration tool. You can also invite your team yeah. to be collaborate, co- collaborators on your Pinterest board. Okay. And you can lock it with security. Let's talk a little bit about the security. How do you lock it? Is it um, just they so call no a pin. Okay. It's called a pin. So mm-hmm. you make it private and it becomes a pin and you can only get to it if you're invited. Now, why would that resource be important? Because some things you want to keep between you and your team, and some things are just for the public. So it makes it a private board. Okay. Now, I would not have uh, thought of Pinterest as a good team um, collaborative platform. So thank you very much for bringing us into the light of Pinterest. That is what I'm here for. (laughs) This is right. This is right. All right. We hope that this week's um, tech talk was beneficial to you. For more information, you can visit us online at WBBTalk.com. Welcome back to the Women Behind the Business talk show. I'm your host, Angel Livis, and we just wrapped up a conversation with author, comedian, and life coach, Jen Koken. Today's show is all about the art of healing. Our first guest used comedy to heal, and now it's time to learn what Betty Murray is doing to heal others. Betty is a philanthropist, motivational speaker, and the founder of Genuine Sisters Supporting Sisters, or GS3 a nonprofit that helps people who have suffered loss restore their dignity and beauty from the inside out. Welcome to the show, Betty. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Now, after doing a little research about you, I learned that you started GS3 after dealing with a pretty traumatic situation. What happened in 2013? Wow. Um, In 2013, I was in a severe car accident, um, and that severe car accident uh, left me Literally, um, when I say lifeless, I mean from the inside. You know, the the scars, I knew they would heal eventually. I would learn how to walk again. I would learn how to talk again. I would learn how to use my hands again. But I was literally lost in the inside. Um, And sometimes God will take his hands off of you and allow some things to happen to um, put you in isolation. You know, and sometimes in isolation, it would allow you to uh, reveal who you really are with from the inside again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. But I'm still here and I'm talking to you. So that's yes. the blessing. And you it? walked in the studio. I did. I did. <laughs> I did. So I am looking at God's work right here. Yes, you are. So tell me what made you decide to start GS3 and why that experience kind of propelled you into establishing it. 
Well, during that time, I realized that I had a lot of hurt and pain that I was suppressing for years. Um, I had I lost my mom and my sister um, here in D.C. Um, when I was 13 and 16 years old. My mom was my mom was 49 when she passed of breast cancer, and my only sister um, was 32 when she passed of lung cancer. So I found myself um, looking for love, and when you don't know how to identify healthy love because you don't love yourself, you run into a bunch of unhealthy love, and that led to domestic violence Um, and uh, I'm a survivor um, of domestic violence I won't say a victim I will say a survivor because I first had to learn that I could not use my tongue as a weapon Um, and I had to start to to love me to know how to deal and to talk to people and not talk to people out of hurt and anger Mm -hmm. but because again I I, I didn't know how to to deal with these things. I was a child um, that all I could think of was survival, mm. you know, and it, it was it, it was not a, it wasn't a good thing. So now I, I've learned um, and I'm, I'm still a work in progress, um, Ms. Ms. Jen, and um, I may need some life coaching after this, <laughs> but um I'm still a work in progress and every day um, working hard to better myself in order to be a blessing to help someone else. And so these different experiences, it's this why you left D.C. to move to Atlanta? Well, it kind of wasn't a choice, um, but then it was. Um, Domestic violence was was deep. Um, Not to get too much into detail, um, but the last incident was the last incident of either I'm going to die or he's going to die. Um, and it, I like my face and being beat in my face with a box cutter, um, the blunt end of a box cutter to the point that it looked like I had golf balls embedded in my face. Um, life was going fine. My children was going to school in Georgetown. I was working for D.C. Public Schools at the time. Um, I had a great, great community base behind me. And nobody knew I was dealing with domestic violence. Nobody knew that I was really struggling um, with with domestic violence, you know, and from the inside, from the inside, I was struggling. Yeah. Um, From the outside, I was struggling, too, because, you know, it wasn't just a verbal, um, a a verbal um, abusive relationship. It was physical. It was take me to the store and purchase me clothes and then take me home and whoop my tail in the same clothes you just purchased, you know? So it was, it was time to go. And I have brothers. So it was, for me, it was like, let me not say anything because yeah. I have a child by this man. And, you know, if they find out, we don't know what can happen. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to, to bring anybody else in a mess that I chose to stay in. Mm-hmm. And I can be very transparent about that. You know, at that time I, I could have left, um, but I, I, I didn't have anybody to to talk to or go to or anything. So when that opportunity came up to to transition, I had to take my four children, um, who is now 22, 20, 18, and 16, um, and I had to go. I had to go for them, mm-hmm. if nothing else, for them. And so how are you using your story to um, help others with GS3? Transparency, mm. being open about it now. Silence no more. I was silent for a long time. And because I was silent, again, that, that hurt and that pain and that confusion and that fear and that everything was living in me. And as much as I would walk in the room and be loved, I didn't love me. I didn't love me. Oh. So if forgive me, um, my anger has turned into sometimes it's tears, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but I I didn't love me, you know, I I didn't at all. And um, I love me now. And I realize 
I was gaining the whole world, materialistic stuff, you know? I was gaining the, the houses and the cars and the, the whatever, you know? But I was lost. I was truly and honestly lost. So what happened to make you realize it's time for me to find myself? Well... And love myself. It was honestly that accident. You know, it was it was that accident. It was that eight months of sitting in a hospital in another city where my son's second grade teacher moved into my house and took care of my children for eight months. It was it was that moment. It was that moment of um, realizing that um, he loves me. God loves me. And after being raped, after being robbed, after going to jail, after just everything, mm. it, I, I knew at that moment, sitting in that ditch, and two, two guys found me. Um, because what some people don't know is my car accident wasn't an accident. It was done to me on purpose. A gentleman drugged me and raped me and put me in my car and let the car drift and the car hit a medium mm. and um, went into a ditch and two men were cleaning the side of the road and they found me. And my neck was broken two places and my pelvis was broken two places and my femur bone was broken in two places and all the ligaments and my hand was, was torn. And eight months out of a year, I'm sorry, 12 months out of a year, I can only remember three. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't even a second thought. It was God allowed some things to happen mm -hmm. because you were taking the credit for everything. You were taking the credit for that house. You were taking the credit for that car. You were taking the credit to, to be able to be an entrepreneur and, and create businesses. And you, you were taking the credit for all of this. And God said, you didn't, you didn't do nothing. I don't know what you, you didn't do nothing. So I'm going to sit you down for a minute. And I'm going to let you reflect on who I am. And I'm your father. And whenever you feel like you are sinking, just know I will never allow you to drown. Mm. And that was that moment that I had to make change because I was living unhappy. I look happy on the surface, but I was living truly unhappy. No peace, but I'm at peace now. And I'm still working on it. <laughs> Now, talk to us about your business, uh, the um, GS3. Like, what is it? What is it? You know, what is it all about? What are you doing? How are you helping people? Okay. Well, um, we originally started um, Genuine Sister Supporting Sisters um, four years ago. Um, as of April of this year, we are officially 501c3. Congratulations. Um, so I am I am happy about that. And that was a, a journey. Um, but we also, we help families that are going through cancer and domestic violence by making sure that they get to their doctor's appointments. They have their medications. They have groceries in their homes. Um, we make sure that... Um, if they have children 18 and under to keep their mind not focused on what their mom or dad may be going through the illness itself. We do tutoring and mentoring and making sure that that, you know, doing fun things with them for the domestic violence um, survivors. We accompany them to court. We find programs and safe havens for them, which I pray that that's something I'll be able to do um, one day. But we find safe havens for them, um, provide clothes for them for court um, because you, I again, I, I went through that process mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, you want me to go to a hotel with no clothes? You know that, but that was the safe, um, the safe haven. So um, that's where we are now. But we are we are putting some programs together um, as we speak. We had an amazing team meeting on yesterday um, in reference to some of the programs that we're, we're we're putting together. Okay. Now, what are some of the amazing things that are coming down the pipe? I know that. Um, so, are you back in DC? Or are you just home? For this, uh, for the summer program that you're launching, the concert series that you know, I can't wait to hear all about. I am, I am here in DC. Okay. Um, I go back and forth a lot. Okay. Um, I still have my beast there. Okay. Um, I I love my hometown, and 
that that was a hit to to leave my mm-hmm. hometown. I mm-hmm. love the beautiful um, sceneries we have going on. The the neighborhood the neighborhoods are changing, um, but I love I love my city, and I absolutely know um, that there's a need for what. Uh, what I'm doing um, because I know I needed it. And when I look at what's going on um, in our communities now, um, you know, we have a lot of programs um, for the, the youth, so on and so forth. But what about the parents? And I say that because um, my mom, grandmother, whoever could have sent me to camp all day long. Mm-hmm. But once I got back home to a toxic situation, it's like, how do you filter that as a child? So, you know, we we want to definitely make sure that we are touching bases with the, the parents as well and giving them the support that they need to help better their households mm-hmm. for the children, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, do your children, because they're older now. Yeah, they do are. They, do they work on, you know, in the business with you? Yeah, like we volunteer, like they volunteer. Like, and, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited when they are and, and when they do it. And they um. In the beginning, they went through the phase of, oh, I'm going with my friends. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess you and your friends are coming. (laughs) And I'm like, hey, you have to realize something. I can't continuously um, give you, give you and give you without teaching you substance. You have to know substance. You have to know now what giving back is. And giving back doesn't always have to mean monetarily, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It can mean your time. Mm And the first, I can remember the first time um, that we did it, we actually cooked food. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Thanksgiving. We cooked food and we went and passed plates out. And the children were super, super happy. And that opened the door for them to kind of like, um, like you know, just, just want wanna to do, do it, it, you know, mm-hmm. just want to do it. So they weren't too happy about the Christmas thing, though. The Christmas, the Christmas thing, they weren't happy about that. <laughs> the Christmas thing was um, you pick three things and then we're going to go purchase those things um, and and we're going to go donate those things to another child. And for you, um, I just need you to be super, super grateful. Yeah. <laughs> like, Wait a second. So, Wait a second. Yeah. You made the babies pick out three things for another child. Potentially that they would have wanted. Yeah. And you gave it away. Yeah. And you told them to be grateful that we I could did. do that. I did. I did. You have a choice. They don't have a choice. Wait a second. And Jen just gave her a high five, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. did. Did you give them a Christmas card and a candy cane or something? It, they it, well here's the thing. Here's Mama the thing. loves you. That's all you need to know. Mama loves you. Here's the here's the thing, and, and I say this with humbleness. I will find inexpensive trips to take them on. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't grow up with that privilege, you know? Um you 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 get shoes and you get clothes and you get these things and you get trips and you get all year round. Mm-hmm. So if you make a big deal about Christmas of giving something to another child and putting it, putting a smile on their face, we're going to have a problem. We're going to have a, a problem because you get things every day. You get things every day. You know, treating you and your friends to the movies is a sacrifice for me. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what that child may, be, may like or may it. not be going through mm-hmm. that their mom may or may can't give them money for the movies. And I'm not saying that I can afford, you know, um, to give like that. But my idea was like, okay, well, you guys have to pick a matinee. You Mm -hmm. you have to go to a $5 movie. Mm -hmm. So it's ways to do things and teach them how to have fun, but give, you have to give in the process. No, they, they were, they were a little salty in the beginning. Um, But once we actually did it, See, you know what? Because, you know, I like to give it all the way in one minute. No, they, they, you know, and I got two, I have two small boys. So (laughs) I'm like, because I know my little, but like, mommy. How long? mm -mm." Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks? Two weeks? Two days? She's right now. And and my, my oldest, his birthday is the day after Christmas. Yeah. So to do something like that, you know, he'd be like, eh, okay, my Mm. birthday's tomorrow. So where my gifts at? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, when we went to the actual shelter, mm-hmm. we had a Christmas event, you know? So that was the moment that they were like, oh, oh it's worth this it. child is this happy. Mm-hmm. It was worth it. Mm-hmm. 
It was worth it. So you get a little resistance in the beginning, but when they see or actually go to a hospital or, um, and that's another thing, and I'll, I'll share that in a minute, but um, when, when they do this and they see the reaction on another, on, on another child's face, um, when they go to a homeless shelter and see this, when they are in the park and they are giving away food they, and they see this, um, my youngest son was in the hospital and I could not go to the hospital and take him pajamas and slippers while all the other children that he's in the day room with and playing with have on hospital robes and you don't know what they're going through. It was right here at Children's Hospital. And no, again, I could not afford it. But God always wants to see your sacrifice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. your actual sacrifice. And um, I went to um, a former's meals. For, former meals. Former mm-hmm. meals. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> I went there and I purchased the um you know what do you uh, I guess you would call it uh like one size fits all like uh-huh. pajama gowns uh-huh. and stuff. I called the hospital and I spoke with the young lady at the hospital and I told her I said, listen, I can't bring my son anything up here without like trying to do something. How many you can't tell me names or the children's name. I get that. How many children do you have on this floor, boys and girls? Mm-hmm. And I literally went and purchased two pajama sets for each boy and each girl on that floor. Wow. Whew. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. I had to though. It was it's once he puts it here, yeah. you have to be obedient. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the same with what I'm doing. I believe God gave me the vision. And because he gave me the vision, he will make provisions. This is true. That's what it is. This is true. <laughs> All right. So we didn't get to talk a whole lot about a whole lot of everything else. <laughs> but I guess we have to at least mention the concert series. Okay. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you're doing here in D.C. before we have to jump to our uh, health tips. Okay. So. Awesome. Um, every fourth Tuesday of the month, we will be doing Toast to Charity. Um, and I, eh, again, it was one of those things of writing, writing, writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when he gives me visions, I just write. Mm-hmm. And it may not come all together right then and there, The you know, um, but I just write. And so every fourth Tuesday will be a... Um, concert series mm-hmm. where we are bringing in local businesses, mm-hmm. um, both nonprofit and for-profit. We um, intend to bring in a few of the community leaders, mm-hmm. um, entrepreneurs and everything. Um, we're going to have vendors and drop boxes where people can come and donate lightly worn shoes, lightly worn clothes, and we will be donating um, these things to a chosen another, a, 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 a chosen um, domestic violence organization, or depending on what the event is, but just on this event itself, it will be at the Howard Theater mm-hmm. with Kiki Wyatt as the entertainment. Um, we're going to have um, a, a few local uh, talents uh, from the area that will be performing as well. Yeah. Well, this has been an amazing conversation Thank and you. so enlightening. Thank, Thank you, you so much for sharing. Um, so it's almost time for our moments from the valley, which I feel like we've heard so many, but I'm sure you got another one in store for us or okay. I'll go a little bit more deeper. Okay. Um, so before we go to our moments from the valley, we are going to go to Dr. Tia Hill and hear our WBB health tips. Stay with us. It's that time of the show for the Women Behind the Business Health Tip with Dr. Tia Hill. Today, we are going to talk about what, Dr. Hill? Metabolism. All right. So talk to me about metabolism. What is it? Metabolism is how your body processes what goes inside of it. And this is the layman terms because I know you don't like when I talk (laughs) medical. All right. So what are some different things? Because I think on a regular basis we hear, oh, I have a slow metabolism or my thyroid affects my metabolism and all these different things. Can you break that down for us? Like, what does it mean to have a slow and what does it mean to have a fast metabolism? So I'm going to use layman terms examples. Um, You remember when you were younger and you could eat anything under the sun and it did not sit in that lovely place called your midsection? Mm -hmm. That is when your metabolism was high meaning that it was always rapidly going, just 
just eating up and using those vitamins, pulling those nutrients out. As we've gotten older, we slow down, we change, and then our body slows down and change too, especially if we stop working out, especially if we're not drinking water, um, if we do have a thyroid situation, um, if we even have hypo diabetes. Mm -hmm. So all of these different things have affect you. So a rapid, fast metabolism means that you burn relatively fast. Mm. Slow means that your body will hold it and it can just sit in your system for a period of time. So yes. Now, what are some different things, if possible, that we can do? Because I don't think any of us want a slow metabolism. At least I don't, based on what you're selling me. Right. So one of the things, I guess the the going thing of 2018 is breakfast. Making sure that you get <laughs> because that's when your metabolism starts. Um, I would also say fiber. You gotta have them bowel movements. <laughs> Seriously, people don't like it, but a good bowel movement keeps you moving. <laughs> it does. You should at least have two to at least two a day. Okay, so if I want to speed up my metabolism, like how is you know is this a process? Like I got to do this for two weeks of eating breakfast. Like what are some surefire ways to? One, I would do a detox first. That's what I tell anyone who has not had their system clean or regulated in a very long period of time. Do a detox. Once you start doing the detox, then start integrating normal practices. This is a lifestyle change. It cannot be a rapid, quick, surefire, I'm going to do this today and I want these results. In order to speed it up, you're going to have to be consistent and it goes over time. It does not happen because you ate breakfast two times. Oh, I should burn (laughs) fat. It is not. And I think that that's one of the things that we don't tell people is that this has to be a lifestyle and this has to be for what you want for you in the long haul. Now, when you are eating breakfast, and I'm guessing we're talking about a nice hearty breakfast that is healthy in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, Are there other things like, you know, snacking throughout the day? Should I be eating, you know, six small meals throughout the day or what what how does that play into this i always one of the things that we've learned over the years is that everybody's body is different Mm -hmm. so with different genotypes each person can do something a little bit different but what i do think is that everyone and i recommend is that you eat at least three solid meals with two snacks or two snacks with a heavy lunch like i've noticed some people who will eat lunch primarily but and have a very light dinner So just make sure that you know what your two meals are that you want to have that are solid, be it breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner. Now, what are some good, hearty and healthy snacks? And when I say hearty, I don't want a snack where I'm still going to be hungry. Well, I think that what we also have to remember is that our stomach is the size of our fist. And so over the years, we have elongated it to where it can hold more food than it's supposed to. Also, um, finding hearty foods, and a lot of people are becoming vegan. So eggplant has a texture like meat, and it's also very whole and filling. Squash, zucchini, um, as well as um, certain fruits like papayas and different things. They will hold you too. Understanding portobello mushrooms. You can have them with breadcrumbs and different things. Um, Understanding how to have your fish. Um, Some fish have omega-3, which is also a good fatty. Uh, protein. Um, I'm thinking of some other things off the top of my head, but eggs, um, don't forget lean meat. Mm. So, you know, I know some people hate the other white meat, which is pork, but sometimes that it works as well. Lamb is also very feeling <laughs> if you know how to cook it and it's not too gamey. So this has been wonderful. Thank you. So I hope our ladies are ready to go out there and start working on their metabolism. Um, Because I feel like the metabolism part goes hand in hand with our workout Mm -hmm. and our, you know, eating a nutritious meal. And our thinking. It goes with our thinking, too. Mm -hmm. Think clear. When our metabolism's faster? When we're just doing right. Like we're working out, we're eating better. We think clear. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you, Dr. Tia Hill. And ladies um, and gentlemen tuned in, we hope that this has been informational for you. And to get more information, visit us online at wbbtalk.com. Okay, ladies, we've come to the point in the show where we're going to share moments from the valley. This is when you share a valley moment that you didn't think you would overcome or you didn't know how you were going to overcome that moment. And so since Jen, you were our first guest, we're going to get started with you. Well, if you can imagine, you know where uh, the Chinatown Metro is. Okay. So imagine there I am standing with my computer, my phone, all my stuff in my hands, 
because I've just been asked to leave the job that I moved out here to take, which I thought was my dream job after my mom passed away. So my mom passes away in September. I get this job that I'm like, yeah, mom had a hand in that. This is going to be great. It's going to be the next chapter of my uh, career. And I moved from the mountains to a 350 square foot efficiency in the middle of DuPont Circle with people all around me. Moved from my close set of girlfriends to really having nobody that I was really truly close to. And that job turned out to be a total nightmare. And there I was, and I had just uh, purchased a home near um, a Catholic University. It was being built. So now I had no job to pay for that home. I had severance for a couple months. I was living in a corporate apartment, and I had no place to go and no one to call, no one to come to my rescue. And that was probably one of the toughest. I've never in my life been asked to leave a job. And this is the first time I'm talking about this publicly, by the way. Never in my life ever been asked to leave a job. And when I looked back on that, I could see it was like the perfect storm. I was not in my right mind to have taken that job in the first place. I had lost my mom after going through cancer for five years. No support structure, working 90 hours a week in a position that I was just, you know, if I had been in my normal entrepreneurial self, I would have figured it out. was not the right timing at all for either one of us. I was not my best. They were not their best for a whole host of reasons. And it took me writing my book. And going through that valley of literally there would be moments when I would get up and just have me and my computer and a box of Kleenex and sob the whole day as I was writing things just to get it out. And then it took me probably another year after that to get back to who I really was for myself. But I surrounded myself with great coaches. So you started having coaches at that point? I have always had coaches. I've Mm -hmm. always had coaches, but I had a community around me. I had people on speed dial that I would call for whatever I needed. And they knew if they saw me and they couldn't take the call, I'd go to the next person. There's like five people that I had in speed dial during that time to help me remember who I was. And to this day, people are like, if you ever forget, you call me, I'll remind you. Wow. And I was coaching people through that whole time. So when Betty talks about her own story, that's what has people listen and see something for themselves is because she stuck her neck out, you stuck your neck out, and we're willing to tell the truth about something. When we're willing to tell the truth, I call it the tall poppy syndrome. We're, we think we we think other people don't think like us or that they've never been through what we've been through until we open our mouths and half the room's like, yo, I've been there too. I've, I have those same thoughts. That happened to me too. And then you're not alone anymore. It's mm-hmm. the courage to speak up. Mm-hmm. And that's when God begins to work through you. And that's the purpose of the show, which is exactly what I told Betty when she was like, moments from the valley. I was like, yeah. Yep. All right, Betty, you're up, boo. I am actually still in that valley. I I, I have several um, valleys, <laughs> but I'm still in that valley. Um, after moving um, and transitioning, um, going through the accident, um, being arrested after that, my for? son, I, uh, my son actually, what he he is, Jesus. Uh, my son was going through a phase where um, he thought that being disrespectful um, was his was uh, a bright idea, um, and I disciplined it. I disciplined him. Um, gladly enough to say that the judge agreed with me and said. So she's in here because she disciplined her son. Excuse me. Uh, get out of here. Bye. But nevertheless, um, my son, um, who was 16 at the time, who is now 22, um, was arrested. And I still I'm still in that valley because I constantly have to keep him motivated. I constantly have to continuously push him to let to to not um, allow this situation to damper his spirit, to stay grounded in God, to not allow this situation to mentally institutionalize him. He's being raised right now by the system, whether we like it or not. And so all I can do is constantly give him the support that that I can give him. And sometimes um I, I pray and I'm thankful to God because it could have been me the way I used to live my life. It could have easily been me. But when God sees, when, when the enemy sees that you are birthing something, 
because I'm, I'm pregnant right now as we speak. Okay. I am literally pregnant, meaning I'm birthing my baby. I am birthing my baby. Um, I'm, I'm still going through that. I'm, I'm still going through him being where he is and whether he had, whether it been um, jail or um, being killed in the streets um, as a young adult, I, I have to do my best just to, I'm still there. I don't even know how to, I'm still in the valley. I mean, I don't, I can't sugarcoat the fact that that still hurts me um, because he's a good kid. He's a good kid. Um, but when you grow up in the city and you grow up, uh, don't tell, don't tell, um, don't tell led him to what he's going through. And it's, it's a struggle. It's, it's a struggle. So I'm still in that valley a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm still in that valley a little bit. And as you being a mother, um, it's one thing for um, if he was reckless and he was the child, if he needed to sit down, I'm that mother that I'm going to say, you know what? You need to be right there. Sit it down. I hope you learn something. Get your life together. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, but that that's not the case with with him. He was he was a good kid. He was he is a good kid. So I'm still I'm still working on that. Okay. I'm still working on that. All right. Well, thank you, ladies, for both sharing your moments from the valley. And we'll be praying for your son. Thank you. Um, I think that sharing your stories and being transparent, it makes people connect to you. Yeah. And and that was one of the things that I had said earlier um, when you and I first met. Yeah. Um, we can share all of our knowledge and all of the different things that we're doing and people can start to glorify us or look at us as though that's where I want to be. That's what I want. That's the lifestyle that I want. Um, but I find that it's very important to bring everybody back down to the same level and say, yeah. I have issues. I have things that I'm going through just like you. So look at me as a resource. Listen to me as a resource, not idolizing or anything like that so once again i really appreciate you both like sharing your valley moments because i do think that it's going to be a blessing to one of our listeners or some of our listeners yeah so with that being said would you like to share your contact information or a way for people to get in contact with you sure and thank you for giving me the opportunity to meet betty and to be on the show it's really a beautiful thing um, to get in contact with me, just go to my website, jencoken.com, J-E-N-C-O-K-E-N.com. And on there is an opportunity to, you know, schedule. I do a free half-hour call with people to kind of get a sense of what people are going through and see if we're a match for coaching because I'm not a match for everybody. And I also have a free success workbook because I think the human mind spends far too much thinking on negative thoughts 80% of our time. This actually has you helps you figure out what your secret success sauce is mm. so you can replicate it. And that's free also. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, and what about social media? Social media, Twitter, Jay Koken, Facebook, Jen Koken with two N's, Instagram, Jen Koken with one N, no, two N's. It's all one N, sorry. Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> blah, blah, Twitter, <laughs> Jay Koken. Usually Facebook and, and also LinkedIn, Jennifer Koken or Jen Koken on LinkedIn also. Alrighty. Betty, how can we connect with you? Well, we are on Facebook and Twitter. Um, we are also on Instagram. And you can just hashtag Genuine Sisters Supporting Sisters or GSSS. Our website is www.genuinesisters.com um, or come check us out every fourth Tuesday at one of our events where we will be giving back. Our first event again is July 31st at the Howard Theater starting at 7pm. So we definitely, definitely, definitely want to welcome the community, politicians, business owners, um, come connect with us. Bring some flyers. So we're invited. That good, yes, you are. You are my <laughs> special guest. You are. And you are too. Okay, good. I was waiting for it. I'm like, you said we. I thought I was included, but I wasn't. So I was waiting for the transition. And then I wasn't going to get all fronted, but I didn't. I held myself. 
<laughs> for the moment, Tito. Yes, you are definitely invited, and we awesome. definitely want to encourage um, everyone. We have vending opportunities as well. Wonderful. Um, we definitely want to encourage everyone. If you have a business, if you have a brand, it doesn't make a difference. If you are selling shoestrings, and you want, you know, some extra um, community support and exposure, please bring your flyers. Uh, we will have an awareness table. Um, it will give you different information about um, the event, other events, community things, so on and so forth. So please, please, please share, share, share and come support us and bring your flyers and bring me some more of that minty stuff that you just gave me. I like it, <laughs> but I really, really appreciate you all for having me. Oh. Thank you. You're so very welcome. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. So please be sure to check out past broadcasts on our website, wbbtalk.com, and pick up your copy of the Washington Informer to see the woman behind the business spotlight section tomorrow. And of course, follow us on social media at wbbtalk. A special thank you to our show producer, Cal Murdoch, and our program director, Max Myrick. Until next time, stay blessed. <laughs>